Well, hey, my name is John, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I uh, would love to connect with you afterwards. We are so glad that every single one of you uh, is here this morning, and as we say every week, we truly believe it's no accident that you are here in this place, and we have been praying for you uh, and, and believe that God has something to say uh, to each of us this morning. We want to welcome you here uh, during this Holy Week, as, as Andy mentioned, this, this final week that's, that's leading uh, into Jesus' final days during his ministry here uh, on earth. It's, it's Palm Sunday. And did everybody get a branch? Do you have one? Okay, we're going to use those uh, in a little bit. Depending on what your church upbringing uh, was, if you maybe you didn't grow up in the church at all, or you grew up in a church that didn't kind of do the whole, what we kind of kind of call the liturgical calendar, where we celebrate these days of the church year. Uh, Palm Sunday, uh, we don't really know if it truly happened on a Sunday uh, or not, but you're going to hear me say Sunday about 25 times uh, in the sermon here. But uh, we're going to call it that, and that's the day that we as Christians celebrate it on. Uh, depending on how you grew up, Palm Sunday might mean a lot of different things to you. Uh, for me, uh, it was a very special day for my brother and I because it was the day that the church gave out weapons. <laughs> and uh, we were really excited about that uh, to try to find the biggest one so that we got home, we could have our annual brother sword fight. And I'm just, parents, I'm sorry if I just gave your kids a uh, well, they're not here, so I didn't give them any ideas. So they're, they're in KQ. But uh, Palm Sunday can mean a lot of different things, but there's a lot more to it than that. And we're going to take a little bit different look at it uh, today. If you do have your Bibles, if you have your story Bibles, you can open up to page 363 uh, or the Bibles in the rows there, uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, uh, where we uh, surely just read for us today. So as you heard in our scripture reading today, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, uh, the capital city, on not a horse, not as a great military king, but as a, on, a, on a donkey, uh, humble. When you rode in on a donkey, that meant a sign of peace uh, in those days. And that's what Jesus was coming uh, to bring. And so a great crowd was gathering around him, one, because it was the Passover feast, uh, and so a lot of people are in Jerusalem uh, for that time anyway, but also because the word is getting out about Jesus. If you've been paying attention these last few weeks, you know that Jesus has been doing some pretty incredible things. He's been healing the sick. He's been uh, healing the blind man. Just a couple days before this, if you remember, this is when Jesus heals, La- I mean, not just heals, brings Lazarus back from the dead, okay? So if you knew that there was a guy in Des Moines that was bringing people back from the dead, do you think you'd want to go see him? Yeah, right? And there, there's some people that are going to throw a parade for him, so maybe I should go to that. And so word is getting around. There's buzz about Jesus, and wherever he goes, there's big people flocking around him. There's, there's a buzz that's spreading, and he's a rock star. So when Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem, it's like, I don't know if you ever, uh, maybe they're not on TV, but the, the parades that they have, like for the World Series team or the Super Bowl champions, they go back to their hometown, and there's confetti falling, and, and it's like, you know, like the Macy's Day Parade or something except for a sports team. And it's just, there's, there's people lining the streets. It's just chaos. That's what it was like on that first Palm Sunday. People are so excited that they want to lay out a carpet for the coming king. Jesus is known as the king of the Jews or the Messiah. And so people want to lay out, instead of like a red carpet, you know, like they have at the Oscars, you know, the Academy Awards or whatever, they want to lay out a carpet, but these people, most of them are poor. Most of them are peasants, and so they don't have this red carpet to roll out. So what do they do? They look around them, and what do they find but palm trees? 
And so they start ripping the branches down off of these palm trees and throwing off their cloaks or their own coats and their own, the own sh- the shirt off their own back. And they are yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So instead of just talking about it, we're actually going to do that this morning. And so go ahead and grab that palm branch if you haven't uh, already that's underneath uh, your chair. We're actually going to do it and, and put ourselves there uh, this morning. So uh, because this side of the gym is a little bit larger, I'm going to add on to this team. Okay, so this is team one over here, okay? Uh, right, kind of right through here. So just you choose. Somewhere right in here. Just this side, you're on team two. And if you're on this side of my hand, you're on team one. Okay, so just kind of pick a side. So we got team one over here. Let me hear you. We got team two over here. Okay. Uh, it might be a little outnumbered. I don't know. Okay. So team one, you are, you got the easy part. You are the Hosanna part. Okay. So let me hear you. Okay. And then team two, you are the blessed is the king. Let me hear you. Okay. We got a nice little friendly competition going on here today. Okay. So now uh, the goal is to combine your loud voices and your worshiping with waving of the palms. So let's just try it with the palms. Let me just, everybody just wave, just wave them like you just don't care. Awesome. Okay. I know they're kind of wimpy. They're not the big ones, but we'll, we'll make do. Okay. So we're going to try this now. Pay attention because depending on what side I point to, that's what you say. Okay. I'm going to try to throw you off a little bit. Okay. So ready with the palms, with loud voices, let Des Moines hear you. Here we go. Ready? Go for it. Oh, good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. You figured it out. Nice. Awesome. It's almost like we were there that day. So can you imagine doing that with hundreds, even thousands of people? It's, it's got it's to reverberate uh, there in your ears. And so it's almost like we were there yelling, Hosanna, which means praise the Lord, or the more literal meaning is save us now. That's just what you were yelling. Save us now, which makes sense only if you need saving, right? But a lot of us necessarily don't want to admit that. But for those people that were there that day, they wanted saving from the Roman Empire, and they wanted Jesus to come in and and kick out the oppressive rule of, of Caesar and the government. But Jesus had other things in mind, didn't he? He had a whole different kind of saving in mind. So whenever we, like the song we sang at the beginning of worship, Hosanna, as we sing that, just remember that we're singing, save us. Save us. Because Jesus, I need saving from myself every single day, right? That's what we're singing. But we know that the purpose wasn't just the palm branches or the yelling or the praises. The message of this day is that Jesus is coming to town. And Easter is one week away. But before we get to Easter, we know that Jesus is going to go through suffering and death. The message of Palm Sunday is that Jesus is coming to town and we want to be ready. If Santa Claus is coming to town, you probably want to be ready, right? But Jesus isn't so concerned if you're naughty or nice. He's concerned if you're dead or alive. And he wants to do something in your heart today. He wants awake to awaken you from your slumber. Not physical slumber, but real slumber. And because if we're honest, if we can step back from this story a little bit, we can see that not everybody was so welcoming. There was a lot of different responses to who Jesus was. Some of them probably didn't care. Some of them were a little skeptical. And some of them worshipped like they didn't care who saw him. 
and they didn't care uh, what they looked like. So put yourself in the crowd that day and ask yourself, honestly, how would I have responded to encountering Jesus? If I knew that this Messiah, who's like God, was going to be passing by, and I, and I caught a glimpse of him, how would I respond? What, what, what would it look like for me to worship him? And the reason I ask that question is because I think this story, although it, it has a lot to do with Holy Week and the, the story that we've been moving through, it actually has a lot to do with what we do here every week in worship. And so I want to look at this story in a slightly different way because I believe it's so rich with truth about the reality of what it means when we encounter Jesus here every week. Because we know that the same Jesus that raised from the dead is here with us every single week. Amen? He's here, and his Holy Spirit is here. And so just as Jesus was with the people worshiping there that day, he's with us here today. We encounter Jesus every single week in worship. And so we're going to look at this story in a little bit different way this morning. You may have noticed that the, uh, the worship team is still up here. And you might be wondering... John, I think they missed their cue to go back to their seats, right? Uh, no, they're up here for a reason, because we're going to do things a little bit different. Instead of talking about worship, we're going to sing a little bit through the message today, just as the people did on that first Palm Sunday. So if you want to either consider the band a part of the preaching today, or if you want to consider me a part of the worship team, which I know might be scary uh, for you, uh, that's what we're doing today. That's why they're up here. And so you can just uh, consider them a part of the message. And I just joined the worship team. And we're going to lead you in some worship today. And so we're going to dig into this story a little bit. So if you're ready to dig in, let, let me hear you say, let's do it. All right, page 363. Uh, and we're just going to highlight a few things from this story. Page 363, if you're in the story, or Luke chapter 19. If we look at verse 35, after the disciples had brought a donkey or a colt for Jesus to ride in, we read this. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. Verse 36. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. Now, you might think in the grand scheme of things, this little verse has really nothing to do with the big Story. What, John, what does that have to do with our worship? Well, if you were in the crowd that day, you could have very easily shown up uh, late. You could have run in at the last minute and just in time to catch a glimpse of Jesus, like, oh, there he was, and then he went by. But I don't think that's what a majority of the crowd did that day. They, I imagine that they lined the streets early. I mean, it's like if the new iPhone is coming out and people are lining up at Best Buy or right, on Black Friday or something and people are wrapped around the store. The streets are lined with people waiting to see Jesus. They wanted to prepare to meet him. And so it wasn't like they were just standing there and be, being like, well, I guess the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming. I guess I'll do Facebook until he comes. You know, on my phone. No, they were preparing their hearts. They were getting uh, excited about this, and they were, they were throwing down their cloaks. They expected to see the king. In other words, they expected greatness. They expected to get a glimpse of the king, and when that happened, that they would be transformed. They expected to see a God who would save them from their sins. 
Hosanna, save us now. And I, I wonder, as I was praying about this this week, what would it look like for us to throw our cloaks down? What, what would it look like for us to prepare ourselves to meet the king? Especially when it comes to what we do here every week during worship. Maybe for us it's not physically taking the shirt off our back and throwing it down or laying palm, palm branches down, but what does it look like to get prepared to meet the king? When you walk in those doors every single week, what is it that God is asking you to do to prepare yourself for worship? You ever thought about that? That maybe just like the people there in that story, we don't just rush into worship and we come in and, oh, there's some lyrics on the screen and, okay, I'll just get ready for the sermon because that's the main part anyway. Um, I hate to break it to you, but it's not. I think what we just did at the beginning of the service is the main part of what we do here. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, I'm just not that good. And number two, God's just that great. So, he deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Not me. Not anybody up here. Okay? So that's the, the heart of worship. But a lot of times when we come in, we, well, there's things going on in our lives. And for a lot of us, the biggest barrier for us in worship might be what we bring in with us. And if you imagine, every single week when we walk in those doors, it may not be our cloaks that we need to lay down, but it's the baggage that we, that we brought in with us every single week. And for some of you, every week it seems like when you walk through those doors, it's like you've got this weight on your back. And it's really, really hard to worship, even if this isn't a physical aspect of how you worship, it's really, really hard to worship when you're weighed down, right? A lot of you saying, are saying, things aren't perfect in my life, therefore I can't worship. Uh, or I hear people say things like, man, it's been a really, really busy, stressful week. And it may not be in your physical posture in here, but when you walked in here today, in your soul, your posture is like this. You're hunched over. It's like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And the good news today is the same Jesus that was at Palm Sunday is here today. And he says this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Man, I think we could use some of that this morning, huh? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is inviting you this morning that every time you walk through those doors, it's like this, Jesus' power comes over you. And not by your own strength, but by his strength. He says, let me take that off. Whatever it is that you're carrying today, your fears, your doubts, your worries, your sickness, your family struggles, feeling far away from, maybe some sin, some guilt, some shame. You know what I hear people say a lot? Even here at worship, they say, well, this is probably the last place that I should be today after what I've done this week. And you know what I say to them? No, this is the first place that you should be. 
Why? Because this is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And if you think the reason that we deserve to come here every week and worship is because you're good enough or because you've earned it, then we don't understand the gospel. The gospel means that I can walk through those doors every week with my baggage and Jesus says, here, let me take that for you for an hour. And then maybe as we worship him and as you hear the gospel proclaimed through the message, you'll realize, you know what? I don't want to just lay it aside for an hour. I just want to be done with it. And Jesus says, let me take that from you. You don't have to carry that any longer. Whether it's your sin or your guilt or your shame, the beauty is that we're promised in 1 John chapter 1. It says this, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So no matter what you might be feeling this morning, no matter what you might be carrying, a big part of worship just like the people on Palm Sunday there that day, is preparing ourselves. And one of those things that we don't do a lot is confession. And so we're going to worship later on today, but first I want to I invite you to stand up right now. And up on the screens is going to be a, a confession that we do. And uh, as, we, as I lead you in this, I want you to imagine that every single one of you... <laughs> has this burden that you brought in with you today. And as you confess this, just imagine just letting that go. And maybe just roll your shoulders back a little bit and feel that weight, that physical, or maybe even that spiritual weight just be lifted off your shoulders. And then Kim and the band are just going to lead us and we're just going to worship. And then I'm going to come back up and we'll keep going with the sermon. Okay? So this is all a part of the message. But let's confess our sins and let it go this morning. Most merciful God, We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and strengthen us and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. You can remain standing. Let's worship together. Sing, come Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious harmony Sung by flaming tongues above Praise His name I fix upon it Name of God's redeeming Oh, to grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to thee Let thy goodness, like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave 
That's the promise of the gospel. That's where we start in worship. That's how we begin. That's how we prepare ourselves by claiming that promise. That was some pretty good preaching by the worship team, don't you think? So think about that. That's a different way of looking at it, right? Maybe this guy up here yakking every week isn't the show. Maybe that's the show, right? What Jesus has already done for us that we can claim that amazing grace, that's the show. And so as we think about worshiping and having physical expressions of what's going on on the inside, we need to be released from those things. Did you feel the baggage falling off? Did you feel the weight coming off? I pray that you do. That when we sing amazing grace, it's not just like, that's a song I learned growing up in church. No, that's a reality that I am living in right now. And I can every single week. Which is exactly what the crowd did that day. They prepared themselves to meet the king. And I pray that you would do that, that you're doing that during this Lenten season. As I said before, that different people encountered Jesus there that day. And so as they prepared themselves to worship, Some people were really there to worship and some people weren't at all. Depending on what characters you watch will reveal to us, I think, what worship is and what worship is not about. And first, I'm sure there was people in the crowd, maybe 5, 10, 15 deep that day that were there and they were still skeptical. They were still checking this whole Jesus thing out. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you're like, you know what? I'm not sure I'm down with all this yet. I'm not, I'm not sure that what this whole Jesus thing means for me yet. You know what? That's okay. We are so glad that you're here. And we just invite you to come along for the ride and participate in what we're doing. At the same time, there was people there that day that were worshiping. There was people that uh, were all in. That they, they, they knew this was, I need to be saved. And so I'm going to give it everything that I got. And they were yelling. Let me see if you remember. What were they yelling? Blessed is the king. That's right. Awesome. So then, 
Watch what happens. Uh, Verse 39, if you're still in Luke chapter 19. So the crowd was going crazy, like we kind of just did. That wasn't very crazy. We might have to try that again. The crowd's going crazy, and watch what happens. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Party poopers. That's all I have to say. In other words, Jesus, this ruckus that you're causing is not okay. This thing that you call worship is totally out of control. Tell your people to calm down. For the Pharisees there that day, this Jesus, well, he didn't fit in their box like we've talked about the last couple weeks. He wasn't who they thought he was going to be. Or they didn't want him to be the Messiah. And because he didn't fit in their box, he didn't fit in their box in terms of what worship was like. They didn't understand how people could have this kind of emotional and physical and spiritual response to who God was. Maybe there's a little bit of ego stuff going on here. These are the religious leaders of the day. They have followed every law and they've never had people line the streets and worship them. And here's this ordinary looking bearded man, a carpenter from Nazareth and everybody is worshiping him. So there might be a little bit of ego stuff going on here as well. The Pharisees that day couldn't accept that God was literally passing before their very eyes. The Pharisees that day had forgotten that everything that we are was created to worship God. In fact, everything in all of creation is for his glory. Everything is hardwired all around us in creation to worship God. And that's why Jesus responds to them. Now, Jesus could have responded a lot of different ways, but this is what he says. Look at verse 40. Jesus says to the Pharisees, I tell you, if they, meaning these people, keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. So if ever you don't feel like worshiping, just know that creation's got your back. Okay? God's going to get his glory regardless. Even if you come in here tired and, oh, I had a bad week and I don't really feel like singing. These bricks are hardwired to worship God. Every tree, every piece of grass, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything in the earth and everything on the sky is created to worship God, is created to be worshipers. And so Jesus says, if you try to shut these people up, the very rocks are going to explode because the greatness of God is passing by. So Jesus really understood this thing called worship is not about us. It's a response to encountering God. And when we encounter God, you just got to let it be what it's going to be. There's freedom in that. And that includes singing. And I know this is scary for a lot of you. Okay? Because you're like, you don't want to hear me sing. Okay? But you've got to know over over 121 times in Scripture, it says, sing to God, sing to the Lord, sing a new song, sing and worship his name, sing a song of worship over and over and over again. And here's the best thing about how Scripture talks about singing. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Whether, and even the sirens are crying out for the glory of God. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't say, make a on-pitch uh, noise. 
It doesn't say you have to be an amazing singer to sing. It, it just says make a joyful noise, even if it's hideous. And so just elbow the person next to you and say, that's really good news for you. <laughs> it just says joyful, and that's, that's good news, right? That's really good news, because some of you were looking at the person next to you saying, I heard you singing this morning, and it was not pretty. But it was joyful, right? Because it's not about what's going on out here, it's about what's going on in here, Amen. So what the Pharisees didn't understand that day is really about the condition of our hearts, the posture of our hearts, and not necessarily what it looks like coming out. And and the same is true for other ways that we express ourselves in worship. If you're new, or maybe you've been a Lutheran, and you're like, man, this is not a normal Lutheran church. Um, That's okay. Uh, We're a Jesus church first, with a little Lutheran flavoring, okay? Okay. some of you are going to look around and you're going to see people sometimes in worship like doing like this, like they're like holding a board or something or like touchdown or they're airing things out, uh, you know, and you're like, what? What is going on there? You know, you're kind of wondering what's, what's that all about, okay? Some of you like to clap. I've even seen some of you move your hips. It's, I know, we're going Pentecostal, but some of you like to dance a little bit, Okay? You know what? And all those things are okay. Why? Because it's not about us. Worship's not about us. And the same thing goes for some of you that like to stand and hold the front of the the chair in front of you and just close your eyes and listen to all those joyful noises around you. That's some of the most beautiful worship I've seen too. This is not about being an extrovert or introvert. It's not about going crazy. Okay? It's what I'm more concerned about is your heart crazy for God. Okay, that's, that's what I'm really concerned about. I think that's what God is concerned about. So a successful morning around here at Hope is not what instruments we choose to use. Okay, Kim, Kim's on the piano this morning, not the guitar. Oh my word! That does not going to break or make, make or break the morning, Okay. None of those things, one of our values here at Hope is that we worship God, not tradition. So it doesn't matter if we had a pipe organ up here this morning, and that was it, or if we had seven electric guitars, okay? Sean, don't get any ideas, okay? (laughs) None of that matters. A successful morning at Lutheran Church of Hope is whether God was made famous in our worship, okay? Whether he got all the glory, And lower down on that priority list is how you felt about it. Lower down on that priority list is whether we sang the songs you wanted to sing. Okay? Those aren't the the, the top thing. Because if we're not careful, we can kind of be like the Pharisees and think it's everything else that's going on and not the heartfelt response of people. And so, if we're not careful, we can turn into Pharisees as well who start looking around at what everybody else is doing and wondering how we look and how we should be feeling instead of keeping our eyes up and focused on the main feature of the day and we're going we're gonna to miss it because we never loosen up. I just imagine the Pharisees as very stiff people, okay? I don't know if their arms ever went above their head, Okay, the Pharisees might have been Lutheran growing up, and they're just working through that. Okay, 
but I just imagine that they need to loosen up. And I think one of the most deep theological truths that Jesus is dying for us to know from this story, and I read a lot of commentaries and study the Greek and the Hebrew on this one, this is the deepest thing from this whole story that you got to know. I think Jesus wants us to hear. Loosen up. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, hey, loosen up. Jeez Louise. Folks, some of us got to loosen up, okay? I didn't say have a conversation about it. I just said loosen up, okay? And you know, you know why this is so odd that we have a hard time loosening up in worship? Is because some of you are crazy and you're Iowa State fans and you look like this, okay? There's this thing called March Madness that's been going on, okay? And some of you are just nuts. Now, some of you have walked from darkness and you have seen the light and you've become Hawkeye fans, okay? And so now, now you're more like this guy, okay? Um, that guy is Santa Claus, I think, is a Hawkeye fan. I don't know how he, and I don't know what that person's doing uh, on the left there. But there's no doubt in my mind that over these past couple weeks, whether you're a basketball fan or not, you have to admit, in homes, in coffee shops, in bars, in restaurants, there's a whole lot of worship going on. Amen? Okay? Heartfelt responses to something greater than ourselves, it's going down, Okay? And how do I know that a lot of you don't have problems loosening up, okay, is because I watch people at these games. And it's just crazy, ridiculous. You see people going, whoa, God, ah, and they're high-fiving people they don't even know, and there's people that are glued to the TV like this, right? And they're just, they're just like locked in. Like the, it's a full-on response, okay? Have you been to a basketball game and ever seen somebody go, whoa, I shouldn't. I, what, what if the people next to me think I'm crazy? I don't want to yell, go, go Cyclones or go Hawkeyes too loud because it might come out wrong or I might look too charismatic. Ooh, that could be trouble, right? No, you don't think about that. You don't see anybody wondering what everybody's thinking around you. And here's the thing. Whenever the word worship is used in Scripture, believe it or not, it's not just talking about an hour on Sunday morning. Instead, the literal meaning of worship is closer to to assign worth or value to something or someone. In, in other words, worship is much more than what we do here. Worship is something that we do every single day, whatever it is that we are assigning value and utmost worth to in our lives. What do you treasure? What gets the highest priority and value? And so I, what, what I want to challenge you with this morning is to think about if Scripture tells us where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's here, because the Spirit of the Lord's here this morning. So there's freedom to be who you are, okay? And Scripture also tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. So if we have nothing to fear and we have complete freedom... Okay, think about this. Don't get me wrong. I love college basketball, okay? But shouldn't our times of worship here together be the freest, most safe place to be yourselves and worship a God that is so much greater than teenagers putting a rubber ball through a round hoop? Have you thought about that? 
God's a little bit more important to that because we ascribe worth and value to him. And I wonder, just like the Pharisees at Palm Sunday that day, what are some fears and what are some barriers that you need to work through that are getting in the way of you worshiping God without fear and in complete freedom? Or would you be in the crowd at Palm Sunday going, oh, I'm an adult. I'm not going to get too excited. Where did your childlike faith go? What, what makes you think that you need to care so much about what everyone else around you thinks instead of the one whose opinion is the one that truly matters? When, when did that shift for you? Because when we look at the end of our story today, as we get to the end of this story about Palm Sunday... I think what Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees to see was that the God of the universe was passing in front of their very eyes and they missed it. They missed it because they were so consumed and wrapped up with everything around them, all their fears, all their rules, and all their religion. They were missing him. They, they were missing the point. And, and we know that. Look at verse 41. We don't think about this a lot, but once the the parade is finished after Palm Sunday. We read, as he approached Jerusalem, so this is Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem, so he's kind of up on a hill, and saw the city, he wept over it. Verse 42, and said, if you, so he's just speaking figuratively to his people, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So we don't know exactly who Jesus was talking to, but it's clear what his heart is. That that maybe just as important as what goes on here during the week, like our worship, like what he just experienced, Jesus' heart is for people that don't know him. And Jesus' heart is for people in that city who have never heard the song of heaven. And we get wrapped up in, did they sing my favorite song? Was the coffee good flavoring? Were the donut holes good? Did the worship team sing on key? And Jesus is saying, there's people that are desperate and dying to know me outside these walls. So, I don't know, but maybe, just maybe, we could start viewing worship a little bit more like a landing spot and a little bit more like a slingshot. That when you come in here and you hear this message and we sing these songs, it's like God's putting you in the back of that slingshot and he says, I'm going to pull you back, I'm going to fill you up, and I'm going to shoot you out into this world that desperately needs the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Maybe that's what it's more about, but the Pharisees missed it. Jesus was right in front of them and they were so consumed with their own ideas and agendas that they missed it and his heart breaks for them. Every once in a while, even those of us that have been on the journey for a while, we need a wake-up call. And mine came a few weeks ago, and it has something to do with these crazy Hawkeye fans we were talking about earlier. So a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife says, I'm kidnapping you. I say, okay, is this a good thing? She says, oh yeah, it's a good thing. So it's like uh, a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Oh, Tuesday afternoon, yeah. And she says, pack your bag, be ready to go at 4 o'clock, 
get in the car. Some of you are like scared. You're like, what kind of a wife do you have? This is a good thing, okay? Remember the whole loosen up thing? Okay. She says, get in the car. I say, okay. So we get in the car and we start driving east on I-80. And those of you that have been over to Altoona, you know, that's kind of maybe a spot you could go or maybe Newton. But if you're driving east on I-80 and you get past Newton, what are you going to, right? There's not a lot out there, right? Unless you're going to Iowa City, right, people? Unless you're going to Iowa City, okay? So we're out in the middle of the boonies and we're driving on I-80 and I'm like, honey, where are we going? And she says, why don't you turn around and look at that yellow folder in the back seat behind you? So I turn around and I open it up and there are two tickets to the Iowa versus Illinois basketball game that night, okay? Screamed like a little girl, okay? And I am stoked, okay? So I'm just yakking the whole way there and I'm so pumped, okay? So we finally get to the stadium, and it is, it is awesome. And I am like a little kid. I am so giddy. I haven't been to Carver Hawkeye Arena since I was little. And so we found our seats. And of course, I'm, I'm totally in it. And of course, nobody's cheering because everybody's very self-conscious of uh, cheering too loud. And so everybody's sitting on their hands and staring straight forward. I'm kidding. It's a Hawkeye game. People are going crazy, right? And, and I'm joining in and, I, and I'm screaming and I'm clapping. And needless to say, it was a great win for the Hawks. They won that night because we were there. Uh, it was awesome. We got back late, and it's hard to sleep because I am so on fire. And a few days later, I'm meeting up with a buddy of mine who knows I'm a big basketball fan, and he says, hey, John, I heard you got to go to a Hawkeye game. What was your favorite part? What was the best part of the whole experience? And I was just about ready to like blurt it out and just start listing out all these things and just rattle it off like, man, the stadium was so cool and the, 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 the new court and the pep band and the deafening crowd and, and the hot dog that always tastes better when you're at a sporting event than when you're at home. And, uh, and, and we got to take our pictures on the floor uh, together and, and on and on and on. And just as I was about ready to blurt out all the, that whole list of things, I caught myself and I just stopped and I paused for a second and I said, Actually, you want to know what the best part was? Being with my wife. Just being with her. uh, Being in her presence. That that was the most important thing. Um, The car ride on the way there. High-fiving her when they won. Almost getting lost in the parking lot afterwards and the conversation that we had on the way home we could have gone to a petting zoo all that other stuff wasn't the main point but all that other stuff was pointing towards the main thing and that was being together that was being with her and so Instead of rattling all those things off, I just looked at my friend and I said, you know what the best part was? It was being with my gal. And I I was thinking about that this week and sometimes I wonder when it comes to our worship here together each week, we can spend so much time thinking about all the things that we think are the most important. Oh man, the worship band was really good today. Man, the sermon was okay. I only fell asleep once. You know, the sermon was really applicable for me today. 
You know, I really like the friends I have, and so I got to connect with my life group. I always like coming to Hope Des Moines because I can see all these people. And all those things, don't get me wrong, all those things are really, really, really important, but not if we miss the point. The thing that all those things are pointing to, and that is being with him. We are a congregation that is really, really good at doing things for God. But something I want to challenge us in is that when we gather here on Sunday morning, it does not matter that we're in the Charles C. McGuire Gymnasium. What matters is that we're in the presence of God. I want to challenge us to grow in our ability to be with him. that when we leave here every single week, the name of Jesus is on our lips because we can't stop talking about how great he is. I don't want you talking about me. I don't want you talking about the worship band. I don't want you talking about anything except how great Jesus is because I got to experience him this morning. That you would leave going, you know what the, my favorite part of this morning was? Being with him. Being with him. And that's why we sang at the very beginning of the message, Jesus, we are here for you. We're not here for anything else. We're here for you. And that's why we come every single week. So I just want to invite you to stand right now. And um, Jesus says to us this Palm Sunday and he says to us this Holy Week, don't miss the point. (laughs) The God of the universe is passing in front of you this Palm Sunday. The God of the universe is here in this place every single week and we can just be with him and enjoy his presence. And so we're going to worship together as we close today and I just would invite you to be fully present And it doesn't matter what you're doing on the outside. What matters is what's happening on the inside. Not just this morning, but every single week. And we're going to sing the chorus of this song, which says, I am running into your arms. I am running into your arms. I just want you to imagine that. Just close your eyes and imagine that with me. The only thing that matters is being with him, is running into his arms. And letting him tell you how much he loves you this morning that you're his son and that you're his daughter. And he is so worthy of our worship. He is so worthy. So Jesus, we worship you. You're more than we could ever ask for. You're the greatest thing. So you're worthy of giving everything to. So if you're comfortable this morning, I just invite you to just take your hands out to your side like this or up or however you want to put them, but just your palms open to say, Jesus, we want to receive from you. There's nowhere else I'd rather be right now. This is the most important thing is to just be with you. So let's worship together. We open our lives to you.